Grand Canyon University is Arizona's premier private Christian university committed to providing next-generation education. GCU offers over 200 academic programs, many in high-demand fields across nine colleges. We keep our rigorous curriculum relevant by partnering with industry leaders and advisory boards. Earn your degree online, in the evening, or on our vibrant Phoenix campus. Find your purpose at GCU, where advanced technologies drive education. Private, Christian, affordable, nonprofit. Visit gcu.edu. I just read about Uma Thurman's sexual assault. I'm ready to go. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Don't come in here with your own agenda. I got a full agenda. We're waiting until 2 o'clock, and then we're going to call Mr. <laughs> Corbin. As scheduled. Okay? We'll see. Or, we'll you, see. Is, is it your goal to we'll sidetrack the interview and make it all about yourself and what you want to we'll, talk about? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> And now, we about to build a roof off of this bitch. Bitch. It's time for the Wiener Shake Show. Wiener Shakers. Wiener, Wiener, Wiener Shakers. Oh, that's damn good, baby. To get involved, call or text 302-729-3664. Now, Greg Wiener and Imran Shay. Why did you text me you were nervous? I didn't text you I was nervous about anything. You sure I did. never get nervous. Okay. You want me to read back the text to you? You can read back whatever fiction you wrote. I didn't write it. This is uh, this is you, okay? It's not me. I didn't write anything. <laughs> I don't get nervous, dog. I want my listeners to know that I never fucking get nervous because I've got a steel beam in my pants. You know what I'm saying? Honestly, a little nervous about this interview. Want it to be good. Nervous about me, not the idea. I mean, like I'm nervous. I think it's great we have him on. The Writers' Cup contacted me to use my erect wiener as a mast for their fastest sailing ship. So I don't, guys like me don't get nervous. You're nervous right now. I'm not nervous. <laughs> who says I'm fucking nervous? You know who gets nervous? Uh, uh, girls. I'm not nervous. You should be. Everything's <laughs> riding on this. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Uh, you listen to me. Are you, you ready? To I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Mr. Corbin now. Billy. Oh, boy. You ready? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I should jerk off real quick. What do you think? No. Cause I, what if I jerk off on air? No. Well, then that's kind of a form of rape. No, nobody wants to experience your fucking sexual... Whoa, uh, whoa. Let's not throw around the R word. Do me okay? a favor. Don't blow farts. Don't talk over me and fucking be on your best behavior. Throw in funny comments and be a professional. We're calling him. Hold on. No, Can I'm I do not my intro? Up. No, Can I do my intro? No, you don't do intros. I gotta do my intro. I do intros. The person whom you're trying to reach <laughs> is currently unavailable. Hilarious. Oh, 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 big man. Yeah, we got we got big fucking, man. Uh, that was fun. It says he's active. Maybe he's Mr. Exact. He's waiting until two. Don't be one of those dudes. You're see, you're one of those dudes who like if you don't call if if you don't call you back. You start hunting them down on social media. We go, like, oh, but you're active. Why aren't you calling me back? That's on Skype, dude. No one understands what you're talking about right now. Stop! Mine? 
dude, can you please do me a favor? Stop with the farts. It takes time for me to edit. I don't have time. No one's asking you to edit the farts. Yeah, no one wants to hear your dumb, childish farts. First off. Can we just have a real quick <laughs> bit of peace? Can we? A detente. Please. Unified. A detente. In our love for talk radio, comedy, and breakneck journalism. Deep cutting. Truthful. Cutting edge. Oh. <laughs> Whew, that one had a tailwind on it. Only one laughing. You are the only one laughing. Good. You sound like a fucking idiot. All right. Should I call him again? I don't know. Is he gonna? Is he gonna decline your call again? Or hello. Hello, Mr. Corbin. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? Hello. Hello. That is my uh, South Asian co-host, Imran Sheikh. Imran, Billy. Hello, Billy. Ni hao. Ni hao. Ni hao. What is that? It's hello in Chinese. Uh, that's Vietnamese, Greg. Oh. That's Chinese. It's uh, Mandarin. Eh, close. Do you remember when uh, the term South Asian first started becoming part of our vernacular, Billy? Nope. I sure don't. It just kind of happened, right? Did it? It did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it did. It did. The first time I heard it was doing disgrace. Joe Adler was talking about casting a South Asian. And I'm like, what the hell's a South Asian? I have no idea what a South Asian is. And he said, well, it's, yeah. you know, someone who's South Asian. And I had to look it up. Yeah. But it's uh, Imran is South yeah. Asian. No, it couldn't, it couldn't have been someone from the South of Asia. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? No, you're, but you're Pakistani, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pa Pakistan is in the South of Asia. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Right. We know I think, that. I like to think that um, every point of entry for a story like this is Joe Adler. Absolutely. <laughs> Who's Joe Adler? He is a director here in Miami. Theater director. Theater director. Who cares? Who cares? Billy. Theater's uh, dead. Uh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Who I cares? Play and I agree. <laughs> you did write a play, man. Hey, who cares? I did. Never again. Was it a bad experience? No, I, I feel about. I feel like working in the theater the same way I feel about 9/11 and the Holocaust. Never again. <laughs> oh. Hashtag never again. Not the same amount of poon as 9/11 and the Holocaust, yeah. though. It was not a very creatively fulfilling experience. I've me. had some great theater experiences, but my overall thing is, uh, you bust your your ass, and the payoff is very little and very rare. That it's a positive, incredible experience. Well, I'll put it to you this way. We deliver a hard drive mm -hmm. to Netflix, and they flip a switch, and our content is available in 60 countries. Right. Okay? You sit around, and you write, and you rehearse, and you design, and you're away from your family, mm -hmm. and you're working, and you're reworking, you get, and you're writing, and you're rewriting. You I, got Poon. And I did the math, and... If we sold out every single performance of our five-week run, which, of course, you're not. That, you know, that, that's not how this works. So, right. But if you were to have sold out every single performance of, you know, was it four shows a week for a five-week run, 8,000 people would have seen it. Right. So you tell me what's – where. where the, yeah. No, there's what, no comparison. 
yeah, you want to do the cost benefit analysis or the ROI there. Like at least it's like people will see it, you know, uh, yeah. when would you put that, you know, <laughs> yeah, on Netflix. Totally. Yeah, but you can't chase tail via Netflix. How's that? <laughs> the only tale you can get in theater is that of uh, the uh, uh, ancient tale. Yeah, I've got I've gotten some uh, young tale in theater. Imran, are you eating or is that you, Billy? Is someone fiddling with paper or? Yeah, I heard that. But no, the the, the only tale I've ever seen in theater is in Cats. <laughs> well played. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Welcome to uh, episode forty nine of the Wiener Shake Show. We're one away from fifty. That's uh, that's uh, season two, episode nine for yeah. my listeners. Imran's really. running joke. Uh, we're we're in our second season. We don't call my listeners a joke. Mazel tov. Stop eating. Stop eating on the goddamn podcast, Imran. My blood sugar was low. What do you want me to do? You yeah, want me? Yeah. You want me hype for this show, or you want me like a, a dead horse? We have episode fifty coming up. I'm actually. Uh, we are going to be in the same room for the first time, Imran and Astoria, and uh, we'll be able to stroke each other's ugly dicks live in the same room with our fucking producers from Hollow Spirit Studios, Man in the Ship, Hollyoke. Hollywood Studios. That's right. On today's show, we have our first actual legitimate guest. We did have Duckman on, but I know in your eyes, Imran, he's a slug of a human. He's not a human. He's no. not a human being. So technic- he, he is just a slug. Um, well, we did also have Polly McPherson on, and actually Tom Hanks and her best friend. Uh, Polly the- McPherson's married, so she doesn't really count. This is true. So uh, this is our first critically acclaimed and award-winning filmmaker on the Wiener Shake Show. Woo! Billy Corbin, welcome to the Wiener Shake Show, Billy. What a get. Whatever, if you're eating, I'm going to eat. Fuck it. Im- Imran uh, has no rules. He he does what he wants on the show. And I've uh, someone said, it sounds like Greg is babysitting Imran <laughs> when they do the show together. So eat away if you must. But uh, right. Billy Corbin is, is an incredible filmmaker. I'm a huge fan. Cocaine Cowboys. He's got three films in the 30 for 30 series for ESPN. Imran, zip it. It's the U, the U part two, broke. And then, broke. Billy, your first film, Raw Deal, A Question of Consent, I just saw last week. I didn't even know it existed. It was fucking amazing, man. Thank you. Jesus. I appreciate it. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people don't know it exists, so I, I appreciate you finding it, discovering it. Can we, cut through the, can we cut through the smoke here for a second? Billy, I, I have a burning question. Let's have a doctor look at that. Um... Here's the question. Good, good, Imran. Way to cut to it. On your Wikipedia, because I, I did some research. about my Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> High-end podcasting, Imran. Go ahead. Get it, get it done. Now, this is what I call investigative reporting. Yeah, yeah. I was doing some show research, and uh, <laughs> it says here that you were a child actor, and you did one show called Dear John. Now, I checked on your IMDb uh, page. <laughs> And it said, Dear John is not listed. Now, my question to you. Really? What's the truth? Can we get the truth from you, Billy, today here on the Wiener Shake Show for the first time? I, do you believe Wikipedia or do you believe IMDb? I feel like Bill Barr right now being cross-examined uh, by the uh, Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee. Um, uh, the, the, ge- the gentleman will answer the question. <laughs> was, he, I- was the Honorable Billy Corbin on or not on, Dear John? Thank you. Reclaiming my time. I, uh, yes, I was, I played Judd Hirsch's son in, I believe the Matthew the third season, Matthew, I think you're right. Um, was the character name on the third or fourth season. I know I'm right. 
It was, it was the the role was originally played by Ben Savage. Oh shit! From Wonder Years. No, no, no. This is the no. brother of Fred Savage. You idiot. Yeah, he's uh, the brother of Fred Savage. Who oh, was I was thinking of the brother for Fred Savage on Wonder. Sorry, Years. Billy. Okay, keep going. And I, and I think yeah. no, that's all right. I think Ben landed the role on uh, Boy Meets World, which was a huge hit, uh, and so he was unavailable to continue playing the part of Matthew on Dear John, and so they had to recast the role. And uh, yes, I played Judd Hirsch's son on the. I don't. I don't want to say short lived because I think it ran about four years. Uh, NBC sitcom, four seasons. Dear, Dear John. 1988 to 1992. Damn. Uh, Billy, question. Uh, do you remember the theme song? From Dear John? Yeah, it was, it was based. It was, it was an ad. Okay, thank you. Do you, a- do you, can you tell us a little something about <laughs> Mr. Judd Hirsch? Can I tell you something about him? Yes, I can. For Christmas, um, after I think my first season on the show, I got a gift from the Dear John producers. Uh, it was like a, a bag that said Dear John on it that I used as my carry-on bag for a lot of years, like a gym bag. And inside the bag was Judd Hirsch's taxi Menorah. jacket. No, his taxi jacket. Because he said it Get didn't out. fit him. He said he didn't fit him anymore. And so he gave me his taxi jacket, which I believe is in my closet to this day. See, holy shit. Should be in the Smithsonian. <laughs> See, that's, I, I, that's... I was going to make a joke about how Judd Hirsch is a Good. Jew, as we all know. Tell us about tell us about your Jew joke. And and but how you missed the timing. A, this I, is I'm clearly sorry. a fallacy because if Judd Hirsch I'm... is Jewish, the show wouldn't have had a Christmas gift. I'm but sorry. the coolness of Judd Hirsch giving sorry, you his Ron. taxi if you, jacket. If you'll let, that's if you'll impressive. let me finish, Senator. And if Ron. you'll let me finish. <laughs> Please in let the man finish, the Ron. Taxi jacket had a pocket and inside the pocket was Judd Hirsch's foreskin. Was it in like a little uh, like a baseball card uh, preserver uh, sleeve? It's probably in a, a Werther's original wrapper or something. It was in a, a Tic Tac box. Nice. Appropriate. Nice. nice. Um, Dude, um, what was it Imran, like working Imran, with Judd? I'm not done, Greg. <laughs> the public needs to know. Uh, Billy, what was it like working? Now, Judd Hirsch, a uh, good man, would you yes, say? we had a great, great time. And he enjoyed... No he, one give a shit about he, Judd He enjoyed oh, flirting yeah. with my mother. Did he really? Back up. Billy, are you Judd Hirsch's illegitimate son? <laughs> I'm, I'm not that I'm aware. I mean, although there's never been a paternity test. If this were the Maury Povich show, we would know for sure. Mm. It's we're getting not that. We're we don't have that kind of budget. <laughs> season <sure>. season <laughs> okay. three. Season three. Big plans. The, the, com- the computer, the equipment that is uh, running this ship is, hasn't been paid for yet. So. <laughs> That's that's not a joke. So anyway, no. B- Billy, uh, I know he's laughing because it's not a joke. You clearly hit a nerve there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Imran, are you done with your pointless questions about Judd Hirsch? Let me see here. Hang on. Let me just <laughs> get my. Hey. I'm done with my questioning about Judd Hirsch. Thank you. Thank Craig. I love Judd Hirsch, man. Taxi for Christ's sakes, dude. How's uh, is Swirlball actually Judd making... Hirsch was in Taxi. What did I say? Huh? I don't know what you said. <laughs> Pretty sure I said taxi, Imran. Um, can you tell we've done 48 shows together, Hold Billy? Hold on. Wait a minute. Billy, I'm just seeing this right now, and my mind is being blown a little bit. Uh-huh. You were in the Archie television film? There was a, a TV movie. It was a backdoor pilot uh, for a series where the Archie characters grew up and attended, I think, their like 10 or 15-year high school reunion at Riverdale. Hi, and I played uh, uh, Jughead's son. 
First off, I bet it was backdoor, huh? Uh, second off, no, you know, you know these child actor stories. I was going to ask about that. Did you ever see any kind of seediness on the set? I sure did. Like anybody trying to diddle you at all? No, God forbid. I, I, I sure didn't. My mom was always around and, and, and quite good. vigilant, and, and uh, I never was exposed <laughs> good, to that, good, good. so to speak, to that side no. of it. Uh, I also never worked with Charlie Sheen, so there's that. Or were, Harvey Weinstein. Were you ever diddled by anyone as a child actor? God, Imran, that's an inappropriate question. I'm sorry. I, I rescind that question. No, that's, that, that, that's fine. Let's, let's talk about diddling. Diddle talk. See, let's this, not. This see seems to be a reasonable... <laughs> A reasonable uh, line of questioning. I did, however, work with Corey Feldman. Did you? You worked with Corey Feldman? I did. I worked on a, a, a movie with Alan Thicke and Corey Feldman, Amy Dolenz, um, Edie McClurg. It was a pretty good cast. Um, and Shanghai 1920. No, that was not it. This was called Step Monster. We were hanging out in the dressing room, and my mom said, oh, let's get a picture with Corey and Billy. And so just before we took the picture, Corey put his arm around me. And he said, do a bump of Coke. This is like 93, 94. And Corey says, uh, Billy reminds me so much of me when I was his age. And my mother goes, <laughs> oh, my God, I hope not. And snaps the picture at that moment. It's kind of wonderful. Did uh, Corey hear that? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. He laughed. He thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever do cocaine with Corey Feldman? I've never done cocaine at all, unfortunately. How did you end up not doing coke and you grew up in Miami? You made a goddamn documentary called Cocaine Cowboys. La cocaína. And you avoided doing hard drugs. How was that I possible? I avoided doing soft drugs, too. I, I, I didn't smoke marijuana up until a few years ago. I tried it in Denver on 420. <laughs> yeah, Oof, I, somehow managed, I somehow managed to grow up. You know, I'm a native Floridian, a lifelong, lifelong Miamian, went through the Dade County, Dade County public school system, went to New World School of the Arts, high school, then went to University of Miami. And I'll never forget, I was, I was kind of notorious in school. I was the only kid. I didn't start drinking until I was 21. So I was the kid in school who didn't drink, who didn't smoke. And, um, oh boy, Billy, I know. And so, uh, I was, I was the class president because that's what happens when you don't drink or smoke. They make you, you do your job yeah. as a student. They yeah. make you the class president, unfortunately. And so anyway, I, I remember we were doing cooking cowboys and a buddy of mine from school calls me up and goes, what the fuck do you know about drugs? You keep making you know, then we made like God, Godfathers of Ganja, Square Grouper, and the like. Why are you making these? And then we made Limelight, which was basically an ecstasy movie, and and about the New York club scene, right? Exactly. And so, what the like? What, what the hell do you know about any of this? And so we just kind of, I guess, when you're making uh, documentaries in, in and around and about Miami, they're going to be about drugs or football or both. You know. Well, or, well, it also makes sense. I mean, you have the outsider's perspective, right? You have the, so to speak, sober eye on it. And you can kind of, it's like you can see the forest for the trees. Whereas I know a lot of people who would have smoked the forest when I was there. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, the guy is, you got a triple, you did a triple major at the U, for Christ's sakes. You weren't doing drugs. What was your triple major? He majored, uh, well, yeah, tell us, Billy. Uh, it was political science, uh, screenwriting, and theater. Jeez. Theater? What was the point of that degree? It was total bullshit. Uh, at, at, um, at New World School of the Arts, we were dual enrolled in uh, Miami-Dade Community College. It was a community college at the time. And right. I think UF or one of the – whoever they partnered with in New World. UF. Exactly. So we got, um, we got 
uh, college credits. And so I, Oh, there it is. Yeah. UM was willing to transfer like all of my theater credits. And so they basically said, if you take a one, I think I had to take six more theater credits, which was two courses and they would give me the theater major. So I was like, Oh, whatever. So I took two classes nice. in theater and that's what the, the triple major was. This is the first time anybody's asked me about this. And now I'm on the record revealing my dirty secret about, there you about go. the triple major. That's, <laughs> at the university. that's what we do at the Wiener Shake Show. We ask the hard cutting questions yeah, that you, no one else you, thinks. You really of. shake us down. That's why. Oh yeah, man. You didn't know what you were getting into when Greg Wiener no rolled idea. up in your DM asking to be on my show. <laughs> you had no idea. What dude, why did you stop acting? What happened? Um, I grew up. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me acting He says to a 45-year-old actor. <laughs> At some point you have to stop with make pretend time, Wiener. Um, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so Tell me about it. <laughs> so, no, honestly, you know, I think when you start doing like an activity that young, it to me was not a profession. It was like mm. an after school activity. Like I didn't, right. I didn't look at it. You know, you have a different perspective. So I, I, I was not that I didn't take it seriously because I, I, I was very successful at least financially in it for a, for a while. Um, but for me, it was more of a hobby. Like that. Are you still living off that child actor money? Oh hell no! That money's been spent and spent again. But, is there money in me? Uh, there's got to be. I think this is a stupid question, but it's an innocent question. You probably got scratched from Dear John. Can you make good money from making documentaries? I'm assuming yes, right? You can make a living doing it. Right. Um, and right. we do. We built a company. Now, remember, we, we used to make one documentary at a time. You mentioned Raw Deal. That came out in like 2001. Cocaine Cowboys came out in 06. You know, there's a lot of downtime. You know, uh, the U came out in 09. So now we're working on five or six projects at a time. And that's the advantage of, of building a reputation and building a company. So now we, we make a living doing it, which is which is pretty, I mean, Pretty wonderful. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to make Cocaine Cowboys? Um, it took us, wow, it took us a while. It took us about two years. Um, right. it was yeah, a, docs take a long time, don't they? Docs, docs can take a long time. In a perfect world, you have one year at least on a oh, okay. document, a feature doc, yeah. What's your favorite all-time doc? Oh, wow. Are you a do are you documentary? you got to be a fan of the, obviously, it's your life. Yeah, well, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of, of nonfiction. Uh, uh, films. I am a big fan of uh, Nick Broomfield. I love the Heidi Fle his Hi Heidi Fleiss documentary, Hollywood Madam, and I love mm. his two documentaries about Eileen Warnos on death row here in Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, fucking great, really wonderful. Yes. I love um, uh, the earliest of Michael Moore. I love Roger and Me. I think Roger mm -hmm. and Me is is fantastic. Um, I'm a I'm a degenerate fan. Of Roger and me. There's also right. you have to understand that there's also docs that I love, um, like Kid Stays in the Picture, for example, which was a game changer as far as the form itself, because they that was the first doc that on a major scale they first of all it was about Robert Evans, the famous producer, and mm, oh right, yeah, studio kid, kid, what is it? What is his name? Kid Glorious kid, or Kid Hollywood? Kid Notorious, yeah, and Kid Notorious, and so um, they made this amazing documentary, Kid Stays in the Picture, inspired by his or actually not inspired, but uh, based on his autobiography uh, that he narrates himself. And he was such a well-photographed, uh, you know, historical figure, you know, being in the movie business that they had so much, so many photographs right. of him that they animated them and brought them to life and, and layered them in, in a very inventive way that really changed, you know, raised the bar and, and, and changed the way uh, docs are told, um, you know. And, That's hot. And, and it also was a little bit lighter 
let's say it wasn't so serious. You know, the, it wasn't about slavery or the civil rights movement or the Holocaust, which a lot of the, you know, the award-winning documentaries Lame. were heavy shit, you know, and, and right. we were... Who's got time for that? You know, we call ourselves, we call our genre pop docs. Uh, a friend dubbed it that. And because, you know, while some of them may be socially conscious um, or calls to action, they are a little, they're informed a little bit more by the pulpier and poppier, you know, pop culture side. You're the, you're the MTV, you're the MTV of docs and everybody else is the VH1 of docs. Well, your docs are funny as shit and they fly. Your, your, your docs move so fast and I'm laughing constantly. Me too. Me too. You've never seen one of his films, Imran. Never. Come on. Never. Not one of them. So full of shit. But Imran, Ron does know the theme song to Dear John. Dear John. <laughs> Screwball was great. Where did you get the idea to use kids to be the actors to play out the action that the, uh, I guess not the narrators, but the uh, subjects were talking about? Whiskey. Wait, wait. I have a, I have a hard-hitting question here. Have you seen Stevie, Billy? No. That's a good doc. You should watch it. Thank you. Where did, where did the idea come up for, you know, using kid actors? And some of them were brilliant, by the way. Thank you. I thought the kids were great. Um, yeah, I was going to ask that too. I, I was yeah. going to ask that. Absolutely, too. he was on his way. Um, the well, first and foremost, we knew we needed to do some reenactments. Uh, that that was that was clear just based on the radio cut. The radio cuts when you string together your talking heads, you know, your interviews, and and you craft the story out of there. A lot of the writing uh, in, or most of the writing in documentary filmmaking, happens in the editing room when you you see what you've got and. And you start to, to tell the story and see what you're missing and what you need. And, and hmm. it's clear, you know, we make sports documentaries like The U, for example, for, for 30 for 30 for ESPN. You talk to football players. They tell you about football games. You go get the football game footage and you put, and you put it on top of the football players talking about it. So it's, it's a straightforward, you know, kind of, you know, virtually paint by numbers uh, process. But Right. This wasn't about baseball. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't about like a bunch of guys telling us about. But what is that? Is someone's cell phone ringing? No, that's Imran playing Dear John theme because he's a child. Thank you, Imran. This will be your last podcast. I feel like it's karaoke night at Judd Hirsch's house. This is great. Yeah. All right, Imran. Thank you. I'm sorry. Did you go to karaoke night at Judd Hirsch's house? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? I didn't, but that would be awesome. Well, you should say you did. He had he had his cantor performing there because you know he's Jewish. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. He's a big old honking Jew. He wears his Jewishness uh, with pride, if you know what I'm saying. Well, what? He has a big nose. That's a shofar, Imran. Um, Greg, <laughs> you have a shofar for a nose? Is that what you said? We got broken up by the uh, in- internet. No, I, I said Judd I, Judd Hirsch uh, wears his Jewishness uh, with pride are, on his face. You, he has a big nose. Are you suggesting that the internet was breaking up right at that moment? Was it the Zionist conspiracy? What what, it, what was it? <laughs> it's exactly yeah. what I was saying. That's exactly yeah. what you were saying. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> <Yeah>. you, you, <laughs> you, of course, Greg, you think Judd Hirsch is low on the totem pole? He's like number six in line. So he kept a shofar in that giant collar sweater of his anyway carry on do you think it's easy for us to not only produce documentaries and entertain the world but also to control the world economy and foreign policy it's not easy yeah. to run. it takes a yeah. lot of work and then at the same time make a decent internet connection for an hour for a lowly podcast you know it can't all be we can't be juggling constantly whose internet connection sucks bad i uh, well i think it's probably uh mine um <laughs> are you on like a 56K modem? Are you on AOL? I'm on a decent uh, uh, network, but I'm using, I got Google no, chat not. going and, and run zip it and Skype. 
So uh, I think that uh, is the issue. Okay. So I think it's time to quit out of some of these apps, Greg. I got Pornhub going as well. And just in case I want to <laughs> grab a quick jack, I figure, you know, I don't know. Imran's going to sidetrack us again. So I figure I'll have time to uh, whip out a batch. Um, what the hell? We were we were in the middle of talking about something. The recreations in uh, yes. Screwball and how we arrived at the, the concept right. of the kids. Uh, yes. And um, well, we knew we needed to do something because we had a bunch of guys talking and they right. mentioned one or two or three baseball games. And so there's not a lot of footage. And most of the guys that we're talking to are not famous people. So they're, no, you know, yeah, A-Rod, there's a lot of pictures you can use, but it's not really about A-Rod. So we knew we needed to recreate all this shady shit that happened in the steroid clinic mm-hmm. and in locker rooms and hotel rooms and nightclubs. And and so um, we knew we were going to have to hire actors. Um, I realized listening to the, the characters speak that a lot of them had the two main characters, especially Tony Bosch, the fake doctor who was administering steroids to all these big baseball players like A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Ryan right. Braun, Melky Cabrera. Um, I knew that uh, he and the whistleblower, his mortal enemy who stole the records from the clinic and turned them over to the Miami New Times, which blew the whole story, uh, Porter Fisher, the two of them had – told stories the same way. Shout out to the Miami New Times. Absolutely. And uh, the two of them told stories the same way, which was very vividly, they told them through dialogue. I said, go fuck yourself. And he said, no, you go fuck yourself. And I said, no, you go fuck hmm. yourself. And he said, and they would just tell stories this way. And I'm like, oh, we could totally drunk history this, meaning the actors could lip sync the oh, dialogue right from the horses. Right from the horse's mouth, nice. and uh, but all the actors would be eight years old, basically it's nine brilliant. and ten, and they'd have fa- facial hair. We do it all on location. They'd have lab coats, police uniforms. They'd be lawyers. They'd be doctors. They'd, they'd be, be dancing and, at live nightclub. Yeah, we'd have baby pitbull, <laughs> Dale. Um, That's hilarious. And, and we. And we shot everything on location. Several of them at the actual locations, the real events took place, like Live Nightclub at the Fountain Blue in Miami Beach, like the Sports Grill in South Miami, like the Ritz-Carlton in, in Key Biscayne. And we just put the actors, the young actors, 9, 10 years old, you know, at the bar, at the Tiki right, Bar with right. uh, little kid bartenders and little kid extras wandering in the background. And then, you know, our doctor drowning his sorrows with a giant pina colada pineapple. these kids playing these adults that have reached the bottom of their lives they've like hit this crushing low at low point and you've got a, a an adorable eight-year-old playing the scene it's brilliant so you're, you're gonna love this so we had um uh tony bosch the, the main kid uh played by a really talented young actor uh, brian blanco um who was also in confessions of a cocaine cowboy our, our play and was brilliant in that as well he had three wigs and the wigs all represented a different stage of Tony Bosch's downward spiral, his his, you know, his trip to rock bottom over the course of this movie. So, you know, you, you shoot a movie out of order. And so the hair and makeup team would always want to double check that they're at the right stage, you know, that we have the right wig on, you right. know, and like you see, you know, so it's like it's his hairs all together. Then it's his hairs a little gray and tussled. And then there's this last stage where it's just like, it's a, it's, it's the same state as his like DUI mugshot. Like it's just his hairs graying and sticking up everywhere. So, um, Brian is on set and he's like 10 years old and he says something, he says like, listen, 
uh, is this the right wig? I, I told him, I think we, we need the bender wig. <laughs> and I'm like, the, and I'm like the, what? It's a 10 year old kid. I'm like, he's like the bender wig. We call it the bender wig. Like when Tony's on a bender, this is, this is what his hair. And I'm uh, like, what the hell do you know about a, a bender? <laughs> Jesus at 10 years old. My yeah. God. Now w- was that kind of an attempt to break out the jarring? Cause I mean, if we see, you know, just people reenacting this, it, it could go cheesy, right? It could go be like a kind of reenactment show or something like that, which is not the caliber that you want to present. But also, is it kind of like a, a way to highlight the innocence that we had presumed of these players, of these athletes? And now when you see a kid committing these debaucherous acts, right? I mean, it's even more jarring and it's even more... Because if you see an adult sinking his sorrow into a drink, I mean, that's, you know, impactful. But if it's a kid doing it, that's even more impactful. It's twofold. From the creative standpoint, you know, reenactments have become, you know, such a tired trope of nonfiction filmmaking. And and documentaries have become ubiquitous. I mean, they're everywhere. Right. So are podcasts. (laughs) Greg, we're having a serious discussion. Can you let Billy and I um, have a... Billy, I apologize for Greg's interjections. Continue, please. (laughs) So... Anyway, we, we, so we wanted to, to, to elevate, you know, raise, if not raise the bar, at least do something a little different and unique as far as the, the reenactments were concerned. Mm. And creatively, I think, um, uh, Imran, something you probably don't hear on this show very often. I think Imran is right. Yeah. We were, we were looking to, to make the point that, uh, all of the adults in this story essentially acted like children, mm. uh, and ultimately, the children were the real victims in all of this. Not only were there the high school patients that Tony Bosch was treating, uh, at, for, for which he rightfully went to prison uh, for treating, um, but also we make the point at the end that, uh, that, that the, the kids who idolize these baseball players are perhaps a bit misplaced. Uh, in their, you know, in their, in their reverence, and mm-hmm. and and when they're they're all just lying, cheating, and stealing, uh, that maybe these are not the best role models and and setting the best example for the young children who who revere these these players. So right. yeah, there's we're trying to make a, a a greater point with with the use of kids in the in the uh, in the recreations. Love it. That's all right. Hey, I I have a question. Uh, uh... Hmm? What, Imran? What? You have permission. You have permission from Imran. Oh, oh, gotcha, gotcha. And I'm glad you uh, uh, stopped playing the Dear John uh, theme again, Imran. <laughs> Billy was on a roll. No, I know, I know. A Kaiser roll. <laughs> Billy has sandwiches named after him in Miami. That's that's how much of a big deal he is, Imran. Wow. The Corbin, <laughs> the Corbin blue? That, that would be a good one. No, they're mostly Hispanic. Aren't they like uh, Cuban sandwiches or some shit? No, what what? what I did my research on your sandwiches. Obviously, it's, it's brisket for Christ's sake. Is it? Oh not fuck in, me! I should lose my Jew card. Is it not in the Wikipedia? What the fuck? <laughs> no, I I've done all kinds of research, but I didn't I didn't find your your sandwich names. Where where can we get a Billy Corbin? Where can our listeners get a Billy Corbin sandwich original? Uh, they can eat me at uh, Blue Collar on Biscayne Boulevard and 67th Street in Miami. It is Blue absolutely, collar. it's one of the best best sandwiches in town, guaranteed. Done. Not a sponsor. The Wiener Shake Show welcomes Global Systems Worldwide as our show sponsor, the world's leading global unified service for all of your corporate network needs. Global Systems Worldwide understands your goals and lack of time to achieve them in this hyper-fast global economy. GSW focuses on your corporate needs to get the job done with the swipe of a finger. The world is moving at such lightning-fast speed and our 
Global Corporate Services understands and tailors our customer service networking initiatives to get you and your bottom line accomplished so you can devote your time and resources to what your individual corporate structure really needs. Go to globalsystemsworldwide.net for more information and use the sponsor code DICKCHEESE for 50% off your first initiative building consulting session. And now we return to the Wiener Shake Show. I love my mommy. Bonsoir. The Wiener Shake Show on the Greg Wiener Podcast Network. You motherfuckers. You've made documentaries about shady characters. You've shined a very bright light on kingpins. Have you ever... And Been a shady character, Billy Corbin? No, let me finish. Oh, and especially in Screwball, you know, there was some mob-connected guys. Have you ever gotten, like, blowback or felt unsafe or, you know what I'm saying, yeah. from, from shining such a bright light on these types of people? There have been moments, you know, fleeting moments where I've been concerned. But for the most part, no. I mean, in, in the case of, of Cocaine Cowboys, for example, um, mm-hmm. we, we were telling – an older story, you know, it was a historic documentary, right. the events that had occurred 20, 30 plus years earlier. Um, so there, there, there wasn't as much of, of a threat um, on certain things, you know, like when we were, we were in Gainesville a year after the incident took place in raw deal, a question of consent, that was yeah. a little di- dicier. Um, you're kind of in this small town um, and, and you're, you're asking a lot of questions about a very sensitive issue that affected the state attorney's office, this mm-hmm. fraternity, mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the National Organization for Women. There was a lot of forces that were not exactly thrilled that we were there. That that was. I didn't even think about that yeah. one actually. And you're Jewish on top of that in Gainesville, which is basically a backwater. Hit yeah, now. but I eat at the Waffle House a lot, so I'm cool. So Smart. Um, Smart. the that was a little dicier. Um, I, I had a particularly, uh, you know, I, I feel like for the most part, no. Uh, I mean, th- yeah, there's, there's, like I said, some fleeting sort of anecdotes or incidents on, on cocaine cowboys Two, We were in, uh, suburbs of, of Oakland, uh, California. And, um, Uh-oh. there was, it, yeah, there was at least one occasion in which we got kind of chased away from a, a location, um, by a guy with a gun. Uh, I don't Jesus. think fired Holy it shit. at all. Um, but we, that was a, Quick company move, Greg. I'll tell yeah, you that. I bet. Just <laughs> get the fuck out of here. It's not just worth it. Dove, dove into the car and 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 took off. Dang. What, what about, but the subjects of the these documentaries, like, did you ever have anybody like from the cartel say stop this bullshit or you you were never contacted oh, from up. the people you made the story about, right? I mean, most of them are dead, but like family connected to those that were in Cocaine Cowboys. No, I mean, I'll have you know. I mean, pe- people seem to get more concerned about what government officials, you know, mm. will, will, will do, um, than, mm. than criminals. Um, right. so, uh, when, when, when you're, when you're exposing, uh, corruption, I think that's an arguably more dangerous proposition than going after, you know, criminals, uh, right. crim- criminals who aren't in the public sector. I'll put it to you that way. Um, right. Uh, who, who I, I would, would agree are, are, are in many ways, far less dangerous than, than criminals in the public sector, um, because there is no accountability for pe- for criminals in the public sector somehow. Right, and criminals uh, in the public sector <laughs> have uh, cops behind them, uh, police departments, to uh, enforce if they want. 
talking, he's talking about corrupt Miami is what he's talking about. So Raw Deal was, was your first doc? Is that it, right? I, well, I don't know. What does the Wikipedia say? Yes, it was his first doc. What, what made you go from, I guess, so from theater? I guess, so you, you, you completed college. Or, or when, did you, I, I guess my question is, why documentaries? Why did you go the nonfiction route? Um, we had not graduated college yet. I hadn't, at least, and Alvin hadn't. We took leaves of absence to pursue our first documentary. Um, David, David Sipkin, oh, wow. our third partner, he had graduated from FSU, one of the best film schools in the country. It, it gives me no pride to say that. Um, pride or pleasure. To say that. Is it really one of the best film schools in the country? It is absolutely one of the best film schools in the country. Absolutely. Jesus. Yeah. Really? And uh, go Knowles, I guess. Mm. Um, they all, Tallahassee also has Not six, a sponsor. six Waffle Houses. So that's another <laughs> advantage they have on Miami. Right. Um, Are you a huge Waffle House fan? I'm a huge Waffle House. And there is, in fact, a Corbin sandwich at the Waffle House. It Unbelievable. Is a, it is a secret menu item, but officially acknowledged by the CEO and, more importantly, the Twitter account. Um, the Corbin sandwich is a Billy, bacon. Can you yeah. tell us? What is in the Corbin sandwich available on the secret menu of the Waffle House? It is bacon, egg, and cheese on a waffle. Oof. Wow. No. Imran's yeah. diapers just filled up automatically upon hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, and uh, It's all water down here. <laughs> this is disgusting. Um, what the fuck are we talking about? We were what? talking about why docs. Why docs? Why docs? Um, um, accidentally, I guess is a good, good way to, to, to say it. Hmm. We were in the process of shooting a film, actually physically on film on super 16, which is incredibly expensive and, and onerous. And, right. um, we, uh, DV was just really blowing up. And my producing partner, Alfred Spellman said, we should try something on DV. Like he was, he, he, he always liked to follow the technology and follow the formats and be an early adopter. DV. Uh, what is digital? What is it? Oh, digital video. Digital, yeah. He didn't know what DV meant. Yes. Uh, it means disease venereal. Oh, okay. And Still hot today. It's very, yeah. very popular in yeah. Miami, especially. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so we, digital video is just, I mean, especially in the wake of another Florida film or Florida movie of uh, the Blair Witch Project, uh, suddenly. Oh, that was in Florida. That huh? was in Florida? And they were Florida filmmakers. The filmmakers were from the, the Orlando oh. area. Wow. Um, Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Okay. And they obviously made a big splash. And so basically after that, every right. schmuck with a video camera thought they could make a movie. Um, right. And so that's right. what, you know, you, you had like the submissions to Sundance like doubled or tripled in a matter of years, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, so right. uh, Alfred said, let's try a GV project. And, and I, you know, looking at Blair Witch, looking at some of the other projects where that worked, um, it always seemed that the – that the idea that this was being shot on video was built into the concept of the story. You know, for example, Blair Witch was all about found right. footage, right? It was home video right. footage. Um, right. You had projects like Mike Figgis's, uh Time Code, which was four, it's a quad screen with four images, all like live in real time playing at the same time. So that's not something you could do with film. That was only something you could do with video. They did a movie called Series 7 that was a, uh, a satire, a really dark satire of the explosion in reality show competitions where it was kind of like a straight-faced running man where they did it like a reality show where they had seven contestants who all had to murder each other and the last person standing was the winner. 
Um, but of course, again, it was a reality show. And so you expected it to look like television, you know, like you expect it to look like. So I right. said, what it strikes me is that like, you need to either, if you're going to do a scripted uh, project in DV, you need something where that the format itself is built into the, the mix, or we could do right. documentary. I said, cause that would be a great, cause you know, documentaries, uh, you know, had long been on television. People were used to seeing nonfiction in the news on video, you know, shot on video. Um, and right. so you also right. didn't have the limitations of like cops, like cops, for greatest, instance. greatest TV show ever. Yes. I wouldn't get carried away with that, but yes, like cops. <laughs> and, um, you don't have to deal with like short film reels and stuff. You could, you could roll forever, not forever, but for, you know, a very long time on video. So we decided to make a doc and, um, then we started to hear at the same exact time, uh, you know, Alfred basically says, let's try DV. I say, well, let's try a doc, which is something we were fans of, but had never studied before a uh, doc filmmaking. And then mm. the third front in this kind of perfect storm was hearing from friends who uh, we knew growing up in, in North Miami Beach, who were attending right. the University of Florida, who were calling and telling us about right. this case of a an exotic dancer right. who was performing at a fraternity house at a Big Brother, Little Brother pledge event and who had alleged that she had been sexually assaulted by one of the fraternity men in a private room after the event. And the video had been made available uh, to the public with our very um, open government sunshine, sunshine laws, as we call them in, in Florida. And so government in the sunshine. Wow. And so we obtained the video and, and uh, realized that there was a really compelling story to be told here because reasonable, educated people with similar backgrounds and baggage were watching this video footage and disagreeing about whether or not they were witnessing a consensual sex act or a sexual assault. What was the point? The point was is that the, the, the media and others in the community had been requesting the video footage that had been seized by the university police department and, and was in the possession of the state attorney's office in Alachua County. And they, we have very, like I said, open public record laws in the state of Florida and they could not make a defense as to why it shouldn't be released. Although the alleged victims or the accusers attorney um, took the position that she should be protected by rape shield laws and right. She, he, he made that case and she made that case to the judge who disagreed and said that it, that that her rights did not usurp the, uh, you know, what we call Florida Chapter 119 and that the, the videotape footage would be released to the public. And it became quite a cause celeb in Gainesville, which is a small town. And and there was such a backlog at the time, we were told of requests for the video that like if you were the first person on your block to get it you'd have like a kegger and invite people to your place Jesus Christ. to Holy. watch the video it was quite appalling and and again this this the, wow. this all plays into the story uh, of the documentary as well because the release of the video was a was a significant you know t turning point uh, a, a, an event in, in the story. These guys got, uh, did they get convicted or, uh, well, the frat got kicked out, right? They were never charged. I mean, the frat, they were got, never charged. The frat got suspended. Um, the, some of the fraternity men were charged with a, with assignation, which was an ancient, uh, statute that hadn't been enforced in Florida in something like, like since the, the turn of the the turn of the last century. And so, 
like it was a weird prostitution related charge. And then they did arrest, I mean, handcuff and charge the exotic dancer with filing a false police report yes. um, with her rape allegation, mm. um, which was extraordinarily and rightfully controversial in, in the community. Billy, do you think she was raped or do you think it was consensual? I believe that there was some sexual activity that occurs that night and, and that we see on the videotape that she was not uh, necessarily clearly consenting to, which by its definition would be some yeah. kind of assault. At right. the same time, uh, I will say that as a result of exhaustion, alcohol, and possible drug use, there is a total breakdown in communication between the parties involved. Mm. And I could see where, uh, you know, the state attorney took the position or understand why the state attorney would take the position that because of the, the video footage, um, you, it would be very difficult to find a jury who would unanimously vote to to convict. It's really, it's a, it's a story with no winners and and at all, you know, and, and everybody, yeah, no. everybody loses. Yeah, I was uh, just gonna say. So when you do when you do a documentary like this, when you tell a story, because documentaries, at least the ones that I've seen, they usually well, have, both of them. So I I haven't seen Raw Deal, right? But but it, it, when you when you when you tell a story, documentaries usually have a story, a narrative, right? That they're presenting. It's it's real. It's it's truthful, but it, there's still kind of a story. Um, do you, when you did raw deal, did you feel like you had to take a position or was it like, these are the facts or the, the, this is what happened. This is what we're showing you. You make up your own mind. Or do you think it's incumbent upon the documentary filmmaker to have a narrative or to have an agenda in, in the literal sense, not in the negative connotation sense of the word? Here's something else that's, that's never been said on the podcast before. Uh, great question, Imran. Uh, so you fit in perfectly billy thank you it's a really great it's a really great question um and i'm glad you asked it and and surprised greg didn't think of it yeah i'm surprised too all right imran the bandwidth can't handle any more signal please turn off the fucking (laughs) dear john theme Okay, we're working on dial-up circa 2000. Greg is operating on AOL 1.0. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, do you do you do you feel that as a documentary filmmaker, you should have a stance and agenda? Documentaries. The definition of documentaries is the creative interpretation of reality. So, whenever you're a filmmaker Mm. telling a story, is that your definition, or is that kind of popular? Whose definition? It's a popular. I didn't make it up. Uh, It's a it's a popular definition Mm. of of documentary filmmaking, because no matter how hands off you try to be, you're still making subjective decisions. You know, I mean, what appears in the four corners of a frame when you're editing something, what does appear, what doesn't appear. These are subjective decisions that are creative decisions. Um, they may be journalistic decisions. They may have a, you know, a certain ethic behind them, but they're still creative decisions. They're subjective, you know, and, and, um, I will say that on raw deal, our approach was to be as objective as possible. And um, I think the, the okay. critics acknowledged uh, that. And, and, and the, fact that, the fact is is that as you watch the documentary, you change – most audience members change their minds several times. Absolutely. Over. That was my experience. Yeah. Mm. And, and, Mine and, too. And Mine I too. Inf- you didn't see it. Exactly. And in fact, um, hmm? what was concerned at one point that 
the advocacy may be too strong, that, that, you, that you may be able to kind of get a sense of, of our thumb being on the scale. And then I, I was concerned about that because I didn't want it to be that kind of doc. Listen, advocacy journalism, advocacy documentary filmmaking has always been, even before <laughs> these days where everything appears to be advocacy journalism uh, mm. and commentary, it, there's always been a place for that in the conversation. Um, and you could call it propaganda, but it's very, if you're going to do an, if you're going to do investigative journalism, you can reach conclusions and you can make subjective judgments about the way people behaved as a result of your own objective investigation. As long as you don't have a a kind of predetermined um, outcome or right. idea going into it, you know. So it's legitimate, but we just didn't want to do raw deal that way. We wanted it to be it, honestly. I had in my senior play at, at New World School of the Arts High School, we had done Rashomon. Humble brag, and that was very. <laughs> Not exactly. I don't think anything <laughs> braggadocious about that. Hashtag humble brag. But we, we um, that that was really the influence. Listen, Billy, we, we get it. We get it. You wrote a couple of plays. Can we stick with the docs, please? Let's not I I inflate ourselves. I didn't write, write Rashomon, but yeah. uh, I will. I will. Uh, I'll try to stick to the Billy. I think I saw that, and I named a college bong after uh, one of the characters in that. Obatala is that a character from Rashomon? I don't. Remember. I really hope it's not. I think it is. I don't remember. All right, but, uh, I hope it's a. But, it's, yeah. it's an innate racism from Greg. Anyway, so anyway, Billy, before we were interrupted with our adult talk, Greg, is that South Asian? I, I, no, it's just black. It's okay. African. Is that Asian? Is is Africa now the uh, uh, southern southern Asian? Africa or is considered the North Antarctic. Jesus, I can't keep up with the nomenclature. Uh, I think that name is Wakandan, actually. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. I Wakanda forever. So I will, I will say that with Raw Deal, we were trying to not. Oh, I was making the point that I was afraid as we were going right. through the process that people might watch it and, and think, you were, think yeah. I was advocating for one side. And then I, we went to Sundance and screened it, and I went, oh, shit. It actually played to me like we're advocating for the other side, right. the opposite side of what, I, of what I feared that it appeared that we were advocating right. for. So I realized, oh, shit, I guess maybe we, 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 we got it right. Yeah. Why aren't you doing like a re-release of this v- film? Because I think it's I super was, yeah. fucking important Very right now, especially right now. in the Me Too generation. Uh, what's going on with that? I want that because Raw Deal. Happen. So our listeners know was in two thousand one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago. And uh, is it a movie you want back out in the in the in the world, or do you want it to be where where it was at and for its time? Because it was your first film. It was, and, and I certainly creatively have have my issues with it. And I'm, there's mm-hmm. obviously not a lot of. There's not a lot of things I would do the same uh, again, right. but I, I think, I think you know, my, I see the, the the job of a documentary filmmaker is to find a good story and don't fuck it up. And I think in Raw Deal we found a good story and we didn't fuck it up. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's good enough, and and I think it's a perennial. Unfortunately, it's yeah. a, 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 it's a, it's a scandal, or, or it, it is an issue that comes up in a high profile scandal year after year, year after, after year. year. Sometimes month after month after month, in fact, or week after week, unfortunately. And in fact, um, the accuser's grandmother said that she believed the documentary should be shown to incoming freshmen at every college in the country. Mm. Oof. So mm. I, I, I agree with you. I, I feel very strongly that it's a, it's a solid piece of work. I think it elicits a really compelling debate and conversation. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I, I would hope that more people would, 
would see it, and I appreciate uh, at least one of you watching it. Well, shit, I paid $5 to watch it. Because I do my job, Billy. I was ready for you. I've seen Dear John. I've watched Dear John. I did my job. <laughs> well, it is available. To your point, it is available. I mean, people can go to our, you know, to CocaineCowboys.com, to our webpage, and they can find it and download it. And it's on DVD at Amazon with a ton of bonus features, and it's uh, including 30 minutes of of additional scenes, some interviews that, that got deleted from the movie, cool. and um, and is available streaming. Um, and what as it, you found it? And yeah. what is the name of your your production company? So our listeners know. It's called Racon Tour. R A K O N T U R. The phonetic right. spelling of a, of the Rock French word raconteur. Storytellers. One who tells stories with yeah. skill. Oh, yeah. Imran loves to let people know he knows French. I mean, that's, a hum- that's, I, that's a humble brag. That's not even humble. I, da- I dabble. I dabble. Yeah. Yeah. Je le dabble. Please don't. <laughs> don't speak uh, uh, French. Billy, uh, what's the what's what's like the, the film that you're the project that you're going to working on? Well, before you answer Greg's before you answer Greg's boring question, you're a little South Asian son of a bitch. If if there's a if there's a Dear John reboot tomorrow, is Billy Corbin on board or not? I'm sorry, what was the question? If there's a Dear John reboot tomorrow, is Billy Corbin oh. on board or not? Hollywood, I'm all, I'm all in. If there's a backdoor pilot, yeah, he's balls deep in that. You can. Smart. You have your answer, Hollywood. Well, it could be son of Dear John, couldn't it? It could be now Matthew gets Dear Johned and has to go to a support group in Rigo Park. It reminds me a little bit of those uh, those Twitter memes that are kind of like uh, everyone blank Billy Corbin. I'm in for the Dear John reunion, like or like nobody. You, Hollywood has their answer to the question that nobody is nobody's asking. asking yeah. Right. <laughs> There's some value in a Dear John reboot. We're all, we're all, you know, losers in love because of the apps and stuff like that. We're all getting ghosted. I mean... Well, not all of us, Imran. <laughs> Dear John no. is a form of ghosting, and I think it would be very relevant. Billy Corbin, Billy. are you going to go on record and say that you're going to reboot Dear John? No. But you're not a cutting-edge journalist, Imran. Stop. Greg, this is our first big-time interview. I'm oh, conducting God. the interview, and doing Steve some hard-hitting research and journalism here for yeah. our listeners so. you made me you made me completely forget my thought which was better than the other the your bullshit no what's what's like what's the one project that you've got coming up god damn it imran what do you got your coming people, up next, your, Billy? Your, your people love hijacking, don't they, Imran? Such ho, ho, ho. Hey, oh. What's, what's the next project that you got coming up? I know you're doing a sequel to Dogfight, right? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, we've been working on that for three years, actually. Wow. What's like the one project you've got coming up that's getting your, your blood up and your... Getting your hackles, your, uh, your dick hard, yeah. as it were. Thank you. I was trying to not use that reference, but good job, Imran. Well, um... A&E just announced that they're relaunching their biography uh, oh. brand. Oh, and, I love those. And those But instead great. of like those one-hour format shows, you know, where everything's kind of plug and play, and it's mm-hmm. all the same, um, they're doing it as – they've re-envisioned it as like a 30 for 30 style ongoing series of feature documentaries all directed by different filmmakers. Oh, great. Nice. So you'll have different takes on the different subjects, and so – um, we were called and uh, invited to do a feature documentary about Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh my goodness! And Very we nice. are—we just started production 
on that. And uh, I'm really excited. Uh, we have a very attractive work to, uh, to do on that. Mm, you broke up. You have a very... Greg, can you tell your mom to get off the phone so that you can get dial-up access? <laughs> it's fun. It's fun, Imran. His mom needs to use the fax machine. The funny thing is I, I tested this goddamn uh, internet signal. How'd it go? Two, it went great until we actually made a connection today at this Again, hour. A lot yeah. like millennial love. Things are going great until you make a connection. Then it goes to shit and she dumps you because she doesn't think there's chemistry there. Women are bitches and wow. hookers. Billy, Billy, let me ask you a question, Billy. If no, a girl takes you out to dinner or, or you take a girl out to dinner and, and you know, you, you drop like 50, 60, maybe 80 bucks on dinner. And she then texts you back that, hey, you know what? I, I, and you pay for it all. And she texts you back that night and says, hey, you know what? I don't think there's chemistry there. Is she a hooker at that point? Halal food. Did you feed her halal food? <laughs> I'm so glad you got that in. Imran. Oh, God. I, we'd have better. We'd be better talking on walkie talkies at this fucking point. No, really. People don't know that you guys do your podcast uh, via tin cans attached with strings. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Billy, exactly. are you prepared right here and right now to make the Wiener Shake Show your next documentary project? Like a day in the life of, you know? I tell you, well, first thing I'm going to do is upgrade your show by buying you all rotary phones. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, I have a question. Billy, why do you think Cubans are so entitled down here in Miami? Uh, Billy has not answered any of my questions. Can you answer my questions first, please, Billy? Thank you. What is happening? It's off the rails. Off the rails. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, doing, doing rails and off the rails all at the same time. I'm drug free. Thank you. <laughs> Say no to drugdrugs. Dare. I don't even remember what Imran's fucking Dare. question was. Dare Billy, to say uh, no. y- we've got to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> I, I told Daisy, your uh, assistant's fantastic, by the way. Very nice. Is Daisy single or? No, she's not. Mm. Um, mm. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. And, and if she were, you would have been pre-ghost. Are we done? Are we? Can we wrap up or are we? <laughs> Imran, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I've... I asked uh, four out of the 30 questions I had. So, yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, uh, <laughs> Billy, two, two more questions, um, and then we'll let you go. Actually, I, I, actually, I, I would like you to continue about this the AD project that now. you have coming yeah. up. That, that actually sounds really, really cool. He did. It's, it, he's doing one on Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage. Imran, when we, when we wrap it up here, you can add that to my Wikipedia, if you would, please. Yeah. I've already added several things to your IMDb page and your uh, Wikipedia. Yeah, you should add that to IMDb. <laughs> Billy, why do you think Cubans are so entitled, not only on the road, but in their lives here in Miami? Do you have <laughs> a take on that? Why? I, I think everyone in Miami is so entitled. I don't think it is. I'm not. To, I'm not. I'm I, Jewish and I'm not. I don't think it's indigenous. Well, uh, I don't think it's indigenous to any people. I mean, it's it, we have a very kind of entitled, self-centered kind of a population here. It's reflected very much in the way that we drive uh, um, without turn signals and without any care for physics uh, yeah. that would require that, uh, you know, you, two, two objects cannot occupy the same space at the right. same time, for example. I always wondered what those coexist bumper stickers meant. Now I, I know they, they want to coexist in the same fucking lane in the same spot that I'm in. Is exactly. What, what they mean. Um, and if you have a baby on board, then why are you driving like such an asshole is what I'd like to know. 
Um, but honestly, I, 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 I do. I think that you know that's why they call it Miami. It's my fucking Amy. It's not our Amy or your Amy. It's my fucking Amy, and everybody drives that way, and a lot of people behave that way. And I'm, I'm hoping to see still, you know, now that we're, we're really for the most part, you know, there's not a lot of people who could claim to be second generation Miamians or even first generation Miamians, you know, all of our parents, uh, generation and, and beyond came from someplace else, you yeah. know? And, and so, uh, no matter how long they're here in Miami, they always say like, Oh, I'm from Philly. I'm from Chicago. I'm from here or there or wherever. And so, um, I, I'm hoping to, now that we have this sort of three Oh five till I die generation, of people who were actually born here and you would have roots here and you'd hope feel as though they have a stake in making Miami a better place. I'm just hoping that we'll see, um, I'm hoping that we'll see people who will care a little bit more about each other and realize that Miami is a, is a shared experience that if we work together, we can, we can make a little bit better than it is now, perhaps not better than the Miami we, we were born into, but at least a, a little bit better. And, and I just, Mostly want to thank uh, Miami-Dade College, um, not for anything other than those I am MDC stickers that are on the backs of cars so that, that they help us know who the shittiest drivers in Miami are. I really appreciate that. Thank you, MDC. Amen. Thank you, MDC. Yeah. And at the very least, if we can't uh, evolve as a, an area code, please teach your children to hit the fucking turn signals. You yeah, can we, still be a rude son of a bitch on the road, but just just put your goddamn turn signals on. We, we, we have evolved as an area code. We're now two area codes. We have the 786 generation, um, none of whom are... Ah, fittingly. <laughs> Holy shit, are you guys still talking about Miami? Jesus. No, we were, but the internet connection <laughs> went again. Billy, listen. Yeah, no, 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 Imran, we should go back to rewriting your tinder profile is what we should do uh billy if you check out your wikipedia page i think uh i think it's more a more accurate reflection oh jesus all right billy listen thanks for your time we'll promote screwball uh is it still in select theaters right now or is it it only on demand it is available on demand so itunes amazon anywhere you you voodoo uh, microsoft redbox google play youtube pay-per-view yeah, you should pro- probably probably Pirate Bay. Sure. No, no, you can Please. rent movies on YouTube. No, I don't think oh, it's on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Twitter, uh, Billy's Twitter is at Billy Corbin. Billy, thanks so much, man. Thank you, Billy. And how apropos that we can't even get a goodbye off the internet signal. Thank you, guys. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Yeah. Thank you. But, well, Billy, before you go, just one more thing, please. That's great. That song depresses me. All right. Billy, we'll hold you in our hearts forever for being hung up on for obliterating our guest virginity, legit guest virginity, and we will cherish this moment forever. Great, Imran. I I, I have a message from Judd Hirsch, Imran. Uh, He says, uh, As-salamu alaykum. Alaykum, as-salam. Walaikum, as-salam. Mr. Hirsch. Thanks, Billy. (laughs) Later, guys. Thank you. I'll see you, man. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate it. All right. All right, you son of a bitch. We did it. (laughs) 
If you don't fix your goddamn connection, I'm gonna fucking come down to Miami and shove my foot straight up your Juno. First of all, I'm not even in uh, what you would call my apartment. I'm homeless <laughs> once again. What's so uh, this this is a uh, uh, actor housing. Uh, that was very frustrating. No, they're supposed to give you. Uh, they're supposed to give you good Wi-Fi. That's a requisite. It's not equity sanctioned oh. housing, please. Oh. Nothing about this project is equity sanctioned except a crappy contract. Anyway, um, Billy Corbin, that was great. Uh, he was good. He was funny. You were uh, decent. You were better <laughs> than I expected. You were yourself. Uh, <laughs> Billy was entertaining. And um, No, I thought he was great. And I, I think he brought a lot of class things to, to it. And yeah, and I think overall it was a lot of... Really impressed that uh, you were able to not do that, but um, I think you really cared about what Billy thought of you, so you didn't act like a fucking child. Who gives a shit? I don't care. You think I give a fuck, Greg? Oh, no, you definitely cared what Billy Corbin thought of you. I don't care what Billy Corbin thinks of me. It's interesting how you behave when you respect somebody. It's a fascinating character study. Check out his Wikipedia page. Are you serious? Did you fuck with his Wikipedia page? Yeah. How, were you, are you really able to do that that quickly? Don't worry about what I can and cannot can do. Can you my, make me a man. Wikipedia page? My man. Don't worry about what I can and cannot do, my man. Ugh, Imran, you're exhausting, by the way. Uh, thank God he thought you were funny. What did, oh, you put it... What did you do? Uh, I, let's just let our listeners go to Billy Corbin's Wikipedia page, learn a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend a great documentary filmmaker, and maybe see uh, what's... You've never seen one of his movies. What's next? what's next? See what's next. What did you put on his IMD? Hopefully it was us. I invite his, uh, our listeners, his fans, to check out his Wikipedia page. What did you put on there? Don't worry about what I put on there, man. You couldn't put something on there that quickly. Don't worry about what I put on there, my man. Did you put on the Wiener Shake Show? Don't worry about what I did, my man. I'm not your man, you little shit. What did you do? The only person that would really know that you added something is either you or Billy. <laughs> what did you put on there? Can you just tell me? Has declared on the Wiener Shake Show that Corbin would be available Let the listeners find out. It's a little Easter egg. It's a little Easter egg. Let them find out. And you put a link to the Wiener... Can you make it? You know, it's amazing. Can you make us a fucking Wikipedia page? Yeah, actually, I'm going to do that right now. Yeah, why don't you do that? All right. All right. Uh, episode 49, that's in the books. And that it's going to, if I end up putting a bullet in my head, it'll be because I'm trying to edit a show with three people and an internet signal that is uh, for pure and total shit. So uh, I'm going to go jerk off. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go jerk off to uh, kids uh, playing adult athletes. Bye. That was creepy. Bye. Don't worry about what's creepy. This is a production of Greg Weir Productions and Hollow Spirit Studios. For more information on our producers, go to hollowspiritstudios.com and go to thewienershakeshow.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. 
They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants.